Hey everyone, welcome to the Summer of Wisdom podcast here at Orchards Church. Um, we're so glad you're here and uh, hope you found last week's podcast helpful. Actually, it will be two weeks ago now uh, because last week was um, Congratulations Sherwood, which went awesome. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I was so excited about how it went, how many people were there and just everything that happened. It was beautiful. Uh, yeah, Rick and I are lying through our teeth because uh, we're pre-recording this, <laughs> but we believe those things to be true. <laughs> prophetic. They, it's all prophetic. There we go. That's good. That's good. Um, so uh, now that we're back here with our Summer of Wisdom series, um, today we're actually going to kick off part one and part two of the book of Proverbs. So part one will be this week and part two will be uh, next week. Um, so uh, if you missed, by the way, our first Summer of uh, Wisdom podcast, go back two weeks in the podcast and you can find it there. Um, and that's going to be our introduction to the book um, or into the whole uh, wisdom literature genre. And uh, we're going to first cover Proverbs and then we'll cover Ecclesiastes and then we'll cover Job. So uh, to kick off Proverbs, um, Rick, what what's the first thing that comes to mind when you think of just the word proverb. A wise saying. Yeah, I think so. What do you have? Can you share one with me? Do you have any wise sayings off the top of your head? Oh, wow. You're going to call me on the carpet. Um, better to smell a thing first than before putting it in your mouth. Wow. Did you just make that up? I might have. Okay. <laughs> great i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna try and teach that to my one-year-old <laughs> brilliant uh yeah uh that's funny i feel like um oh man my dad had a great one uh oh here's what here's what i i heard from my dad my dad dropped this one on me this morning so if you haven't met my dad my dad grew up as a rancher in Montana and just sometimes has a funny way of saying things. And today he said to me, uh, I learned a lot about priorities when I was about maybe 25 driving down the freeway in Montana going 75 or 80 miles an hour when a bee stung my back. <laughs> Whoa. Ouch. <laughs> just so he's like, I learned a lot about priorities. <laughs> I'm not even clear yet on what that means. He was I. The priority was either stay focused on driving or like, you know, deal with the pain and find the bee or whatever. It was, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. sure and sure. so he he found the priority must lie in <laughs> keeping the car on the road. But <laughs> what a funny way of saying it. Yeah. Oh my gosh! As soon as he said that, I was like, I'm gonna tell that story someday, and I didn't realize it was gonna be today. So that. That works great. Works okay. great. Uh, yeah, and I think that's actually, Rick, when you say proverb, you think of a wise saying. And I think that's what we think of when we think of the book of Proverbs. Um, but Proverbs actually kind of uh, not really, when, when I think of Proverbs, I think of like you flip to here, I'll just do this. I'll just go to somewhere in Proverbs. I'm typing in a random proverb right now. So let's do Proverbs. So 23, 14. Let's see what comes up. If you strike him with 
Let's do Proverbs 23, 12. Uh, let me get there real quick. Proverbs 23, 12. Apply your heart to instruction and your ear to words of knowledge. It's great. Yeah, I, awesome. I can do that. It, and that's what I think of when I think of the book of Proverbs. But the first nine chapters of Proverbs are not are not these pithy sayings, these pithy statements that you can, you know, crochet onto a pillow or whatever. Um, they've, they've got, they've got more going on. Um, and they all, what's interesting also about the first nine chapters of Proverbs is they actually introduce us to some characters um, in the book. And I don't think of Proverbs being a book that has characters in it, uh, but it, it definitely does. So Rick, what, what, what are some of the characters that come to mind in Proverbs one through nine? So I have to believe that you're not talking about historical characters like we see in the narrative books of the old Testament. So yep, you're correct. You're speaking of personifications. Mm-hmm. So uh, lady wisdom mm-hmm. comes to mind or the woman who is the prostitute or King yep. James harlot. Yep. Yeah. So there's two. There's two are there more. Are there more mm-hmm. than two? Yeah. Those are the two I think of who, okay. what's that? What did I miss? Uh, the father and the son. Okay. Um, and then the wise man and the fool. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So there, and then obviously there's um, uh, Solomon. King Solomon is mentioned in Proverbs one, one, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, King of Israel. So there's obviously more, you know, people and characters mentioned, but those would probably be in the book of Proverbs. Um, the, those would be those would be the main characters, uh, the, those six. Um, and, and and what's interesting to me is there there's pairings. So you have the father and the son, right? You Proverbs one eight. Hear my son, your father's instruction. Forsake not your mother's teaching. And but yeah, mother the mother is a part of it as well. Actually, I should uh, should be clear about that. But it's we, we see these characters, um, and we find ourselves at different times in life, um, kind of. Uh, yeah, maybe identifying with different characters, uh, but the the book of Proverbs is directed at the son, is directed at the learner, um, and then uh, we have these characters that are really fascinating to me, and it's Lady Wisdom, and I think I'll just call her Lady Folly, um, and uh, we meet uh, we meet Lady Wisdom in verse one, um, uh, and she's, pers- or sorry, not in verse one, in chapter one, verse 20, she's personified right away. Uh, verse 20 says, wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the markets, she raises her voice. At the head of noisy streets, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. Um, and then we have this long section, actually, of wisdom speaking. The, the character of wisdom speaking. And that's actually the rest of chapter one is starting in verse 22, all the way through to verse 33, wisdom herself is speaking, which is, which is kind of fun. She's got these speeches that she gives. So let me clarify the characters a little bit. So I guess I heard maybe three kinds of characters. One are literal historical characters Mm -hmm. actually share their names. And so we know those, that's exactly what those are. Mm -hmm. The father, the son, and the mother even 
Yeah, are, maybe parents and child or parents and children is a better category. Yeah, parents and children. And so th- those are neither specifically named nor are they metaphorical, but they're actually the one maybe listening to the book is the child and the one speaking the book or authoring the book are the parents. And then you've got this third category of characters that are Lady Wisdom and Lady Folly, which are personifications of large concepts. Does that make sense? Yeah, and uh, I think I would also throw in the wise man and the fool in there as well. Ah, so yes, they're yes. they're they kind of join Lady Wisdom and Lady Folly in that third category. Um, so they are the followers, or two ways to respond to Lady Wisdom, or even yeah, yeah. you're basically choosing your date. Uh, the wise man dates wisdom, and the foolish man dates folly. Yeah, yeah, and I it's it's interesting how. Um, yeah, how how they come they come into play here. Um, yeah, so uh, there there are other characters that that kind of speak as well. Actually, I think Lady Folly speaks. Um, let me see if I can find where Lady Folly speaks. Um, now, the the main speaker in in all of this is the father, um, mm. uh, because and he warns of he warns of lady folly and it's actually interesting because lady folly and um lady uh lady wisdom both are um both are on the streets calling men to follow after them Hmm. oh yeah sure i see here in chapter 9 verse 13 folly is an unruly woman she is simple and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house on a seat at the highest point of the city, calling out to those who pass by who go straight on their way. Let all who are simple come to my house. Yeah. And to, it, say, to those who have no sense, she says, stolen water is sweet. Food eaten in secret is delicious. But little do they know that the dead are there and their guests are deep in the realm of the dead. Wow. That went dark in a hurry. Yeah, <laughs> as it does. Yeah, <laughs> and I think I think that's what's interesting is this is what the father says about Lady Folly. He says, um, for the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is as bitter as a wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps follow the path to Sheol. She does not ponder the path of life and her ways wander. She does not know it. That's chapter five, one through six. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's what's interesting here is these characters are, are personifications of greater, greater things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you like lady wisdom is it, it's interesting how, when we think of lady folly, we think of a prostitute. We think of a, a woman and a, you know, uh, kind of standing in her doorway, calling calling men after them, saying, "Hey, why don't you why don't you come in? Why don't you come here?" Um, and uh, and I guess uh, yeah, yeah. And then I don't have the same image come to mind when I think of Lady Wisdom. Hmm. There's mm-hmm. not like a specific person in like a first century city that comes to mind when I think, "Oh yeah, that's Lady Wisdom." Um, but Lady Folly is, is, I think, more clearly personified and easier to grasp. But um, uh, Lady Wisdom actually does some, I, I, don't know if, I don't know if you could call it uh, self-reflection 
or not. Um, but um, it, in in chapter eight, wisdom has another speech. Um, uh, and so she says this in chapter eight. It, well, actually, the father says, does not wisdom call? Does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights beside the way at the crossroads, she takes her sand beside the gates in the front of the town at the entrance of the portals. She cries aloud and then goes on. Now, Rick, actually, I think the location in the city is actually really important. Where is Lady Folly situated and where is Lady Wisdom situated? Well, I remember in the part that I read that Lady Folly is seated at the high point in the city. And from what you just said, I'm beginning to pick up that Lady Wisdom is actually in multiple places. But mm -hmm. how would you characterize that, her location? Yeah, she's Lady Wisdom is available everywhere. Like mm -hmm. you said, she's all over the place. She's on the heights. She's beside the way. She's at the crossroads. She's at the gates at the front of the town. And the gates... Uh, were significant um, in ancient cities because that's where business was done. Uh, you see examples of this of this in Ruth um, as Boaz goes to the city gates to meet with the elders of the city, um, and you see that and that's where that's where you find wisdom right there. It, and wisdom is available to all. She's there for everyone to find. Um, and similarly, we see Lady Folly also in different places. She's on the streets. She's in a house. She's um, where you're at, at the high point of the city. Um, and so I think, again, it just shows how um, optional both options and how prevalent both ways are to humanity at all times. Mm -hmm. um, um, so I, I kind of... we rabbit trail just a little bit there but uh the thing that i want to point out actually is how high we ought to hold wisdom itself um because here in chapter eight the personification of wisdom lady wisdom uh has this incredible speech where she starts in verse four of chapter eight she says to you O men i call and my cry is to the children of man and then she just goes on. She goes, I'm going to speak noble things. Um, all the words of my mouth are righteous. They are all straight to him who understands. I, wisdom, I dwell with prudence, you know, and by me, kings reign, by me, princes rule. And she goes on and on. But then about halfway down in verse 23, she says something that's absolutely fascinating to me. Um, she says, the Lord, Yahweh, right? possessed me at the beginning of his work the first of his acts of old like whoa wisdom so you're saying yeah. before before light and darkness and land and sea were created there was something created before all of that and that something is wisdom yeah and actually i don't even know yeah i it, it's funny because it doesn't even use the word created it uses the word of possession or ownership um mm -hmm. or or fought well actually or fathered the septuagint actually does use the word created um well in the but, niv here says formed and so that's where i came out mm -hmm. of it. what was the esv word again rather than formed it said it possessed okay possessed. wow ownership yeah. yeah and it's um it the it's translated uh, most often as the word by 
or get or purchased is this word. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, kana. Thing in Hebrew in the original languages. Yep. Would have been the word for purchase. Yeah, kana. Oh, wow. That's yeah. Nice. And so wisdom is there at the beginning of creation. Um, and, and actually she says, she says this in uh, verse that was 22. Now she says in 23 ages ago, I was set up at the first before the beginning of the earth. When there were no depths, I was brought forth when there were no springs abounding with water before the mountains had been shaped before the hills, I was brought forth before he made the earth with its fields before he, and then verse 27, when he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above, when he established the fountains of the deep, when he assigned the sea its limit so that the waters might not transgress its command, which is obviously what happens in the book of Job, that God reminds Job that he was not there for that. But who was there for that? Lady hmm. Wisdom. So it sounds to me like really we're talking about the sciences, uh, hmm. that God first formed the sciences of the way things work before he brought to, to bear material into that so that all of those, those materials that he provided would fit within a paradigm that we call science. Things work together in a certain way and there is an A equals B. And when you do this, this happens. Yeah. So he brought the structure and the form to creation. That is wisdom. That is science. Yeah. And I, I think that is spot on because science is just the study of what is right. And right. wisdom has been laced through every aspect of creation. Mm. Wisdom, wisdom is the thread that that needles through every fiber of our life. That it, that that goes through every fabric of our discovery of reality, and not just not just say biology is probably the first science that comes to my mind, but it also invades like psychology. Mm. and and art and drama and family life and parenting and and it, and it touches on each of these aspects over and over and over again and this as as we're valuing wisdom we're valuing the very character of god it's his wisdom that is is laced throughout his own creation. And as we pursue his wisdom, what we find is life. We mm. find life the way it was meant to be and ought to be is in his wisdom that he formed and created all these things. And it's so, so powerful for our lives. Well, the, it makes so much sense in the current culture. You know, the constant cry is let's trust the science, trust the science. And in a real way, they're saying, let's trust what is absolutely true, uh, what is universally true. The, the catch is that are we discovering the truth of the science that we're looking at? Are we deducing and theorizing rightly? But our hope is in the predictability and the structure of science. And that is kind of becoming our new universal truth. It's a materialistic universal truth rather than a philosophical universal truth. But there's a desperation for finding unity and hope for life in the science, the wisdom of the way things work. Yeah. And I think wow. it's interesting watching cultural trends, right? Because you go from a modern world where things are very black and white. We know what's right. We know what's wrong. To then a postmodern world where it's much more gray. Um, and we're not quite sure what's right and what's wrong. I'm talking culturally speaking, right? 
Mm-hmm. Um, and now I think we're entering an, a, a phase of the world that's post-postmodern. We're, we're somehow, we're stepping beyond the bounds of postmodernism um, mm. to an area where we go, well, there has to be objective truth. There has to be. I can't stand on subjectivity anymore. Mm. I just, it, it's not stable ground. I can't do it. And so we have generations rising up looking for what is the stable ground. And right now, the only thing that people can agree on uh, is the physical sciences. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the way, even that is not like hard and fast, right? Like, yeah, based on know, research and the deductions you make by what you observe. Yeah. The things you're observing are consistent. It's only the theory you have as to why or how things are working in that yeah. environment. And, and so that's what's so funny to me is that that is the one thing that, uh, you know, the world can agree on is like, okay, well, let's hold to this, even though it's a moving target, this is the closest thing we have to subjective truth or to, to objective truth, right? Objective truth. Yes. Yeah. And then Jesus shows up on the scene and says, actually, I'm the way, the truth and the life. Mm. This, this is it. I, this this is it here. And you find wisdom, you find me, you find my way of doing things. And in that way of doing things, this confusion, this, this angst, this terror of what is real, what is truth fades away because we know that he is the truth and he is the answer. And his wisdom laces throughout every aspect of creation. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that makes so much sense of the uh, the Christ poem in Colossians. Just makes all those statements you just made, right? Yeah, and actually, Rick, I think it would, that would probably be a great way for us to end uh, end this week, actually, and end this section of Proverbs uh, one through nine. Uh, and the characters is is seeing how all of this is actually find, finds its fruition in the person of Jesus. So if you would, if you would read that poem for us, that would be wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. So this is Colossians chapter one, beginning in verse 15. And again, I'm reading from the NIV. The sun is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Oh, look at that, Daniel. If wisdom was created first, Mm -hmm. now Jesus, I am the firstborn over all creation for in him all things were created things in heaven and on earth visible and invisible whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities all things have been created through him and for him he is before all things and in him all things hold together and he is the head the body the head of the body the church he is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead There's another beginning so that in everything he might have the supremacy for God was pleased to have all his fullness to dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So good. It's so amazing to see just the incredible access we have to God's way of life and God's wisdom. Mm-hmm. And honestly, this is why um, 
this is this sounds like so cheesy and obvious for a pastor to say, but this is why daily Bible reading is just life to me. Um, it's because the world is so full of constant messages and barrages of this is what we think truth is. This is what we believe to be real about the world. And I am, I, I, I imbibe it. I, 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 I receive messages. I, you know, even maybe without even intending to, uh, and then you, the only way to combat that is with a like main line of truth, a main line of Jesus daily in the scriptures. What is your truth? What is real? What is reality? And what is your wisdom? That's so good. Yeah. And doesn't Paul say, in his letter to the Corinthians, Jesus Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. And he just, he makes the actual statement that Jesus is the wisdom of God. Wow. Amazing. So good. Well, I think that's all we have time for, for today. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm just so encouraged even now as we're recording this podcast, thinking about the power of wisdom and how to, and even using the word implemented in my life is like the wrong way. That's not the, that's not a strong enough verb, uh, but how to walk in the way of wisdom every moment of every day. Mm. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Awesome. Thank well, you, yeah. Thank you everyone for listening. And uh, we will catch you next week with part two of our summer of wisdom series as we cover Proverbs. Thanks for listening. <laughs>